Uh, hey, Psalm chapter 65, Psalm chapter 65, we start a brand new series today that goes throughout the summer called Living a Full Life. I think we all would love to live a full life. And so in order to live a full life, we have to fill our life with the right things. And so we're going to look at some of those things throughout the uh, summer. We're in Psalm chapter 65. I'm going to jump right in because I've got about three and a half hours worth of notes. So Psalm 65 verse 1, praise is due to you, O God in Zion, and to you shall vows be performed. O you who hear prayer, to you shall all flesh come. When iniquities prevail against me, you atone for our transgressions. That is worth coming for just to hear that verse. That verse right there is what we talked about in that song. When iniquities prevail against us, when we sin, Jesus atones for our transgressions. Blessed is the one you choose and bring near to dwell in your courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house and the holiness of your temple. You visit the earth and water it. By awesome deeds you answer us with righteousness, O God of our salvation. The hope of all the ends of the earth and of the farthest seas. The one who by his strength established the mountains, being girded with might. Who stills the roaring of the seas, the roaring of their waves the tumult of the people, you greatly enrich it. The river of God is full of water. You provide their grain for so you have prepared it. You water its furrows abundantly, settling its ridges, softening it with showers and blessing its growth. You crown your, the year with your bounty. Your wagon tracks overflow with abundance. The pastures of the wilderness overflow. The hills gird themselves with joy. The meadows clothe themselves with flocks. The valleys deck themselves out with grain and they shout and they sing together for joy. I mean, that is a beautiful psalm. That is one of those psalms that when you read it, if you're like me, I like to like listen to things while I run. And if I listen to that one while I'm running, people on the trail are like, what is wrong with that dude? Because he's like yelling and singing and like, "Woo, God's good. Like as I'm running, that psalm does that. That psalm is awesome. Now look at Psalm chapter 63, equally awesome. Psalm chapter 63, verse 5, my soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. Amen. Right there. Man, I'm always trying to diet and every now and then I'm like, you know what I need is some fat and rich food. I don't know, like I just need it. Had barbecue on Friday night and I'm still just happy about it. My mouth will praise you, look at this, with joyful lips. It's very interesting. I'll tell you why in just a minute, but that's really interesting. When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night, for you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I will sing, look what he says next, for joy. That's really interesting. Psalm chapter 65 is a psalm of celebration over a harvest that was given to the children of Israel. In Psalm chapter 65, they have just celebrated one of their annual festivities and celebrations. And it's a psalm that's like, hey, look at all these wonderful things that God's brought into our life. Look at all the blessings. Look at all the food. Look at all the great things we have. And because of that, we realize nature decks itself with joy and so do we. Man, God is so good. That's what Psalm 65 is about. I'll show you. 
a picture of what they're celebrating. They're celebrating a, a traditional yearly harvest. And what they do is they gather, the Jewish people would gather all of their harvest together and they would set it out and as families they would celebrate and eat. It is actually where we get our version of it and we call it Thanksgiving. This is an ancient tradition. It's a beautiful and wonderful celebration. But I want to show you a picture of what Psalm 63 looked like. This is what it looked like where Psalm 63 was. See, Psalm 63 at the beginning says it was written in a place called the wilderness of Judah. And in the wilderness of Judah, to this day, it is one of the most inhabitable places on the planet. To this day, there are very few people who live in the wilderness of Judah. In fact, the wilderness of Judah was most populated when it was filled with monks who were trying to escape life in, in, in plush settings and go to the hardest place they could possibly find. And they would go to the wilderness of Judah, which is where Psalm 63 is written. Now that's really interesting because in Psalm 65, David's like, we're going to praise you with joyful lips. And then in Psalm 63, David's like, I'm going to praise you with joyful lips. So then, well, that must mean that he was there for a reason and he had something good going on. That has to be why he was there. Most Bible scholars believe Psalm 63 was written in this place. And the reason it was written was because David had a son. David's son had assaulted one of David's daughters. And David really didn't do enough about it. So David's other son named Absalom took it into his own hands and solved the problem for the kingdom. And because of this, a lot of people in that kingdom began to look at Absalom and say, that guy might be a better king than David is. They looked at Absalom, he had long, flowing, beautiful hair. And they were like, he's a handsome dude. They looked at Absalom as a warrior, as a man, he would daily go and sit at the gate and people from the kingdom would bring their problems and Absalom would say, you don't have to bother my dad with this. I'll help you. And over time, Absalom began to take over the kingdom of Israel. And David most likely writes this psalm while he's hiding in this wilderness from his son, who is actively hunting him down, trying to kill him so that he can become the king of Israel. Not only that, though, Absalom has talked almost all of David's friends into joining them. So David has a small army, a few loyal, faithful people, and they are fleeing into the wilderness to hope to survive, to just live. And as they're going, there's a man, you can read this story, it's incredible, the guts on this guy. He's following a man who killed a lion, a bear, and a giant, and the way he's following him is he's throwing dust and rocks at him and swearing at him. And David is just riding along, walking along, all the way into this wilderness with a guy who's just throwing rocks at him. Just peppering him with stones and yelling at him. And David gets into this wilderness and he writes, My soul shall praise you with joyful lips. Now that is fascinating. Because you expect the joyful lips in Psalm 65. I mean, unless you're a Lions fan, every Thanksgiving you're thankful. 
right? Every Thanksgiving, you got something to be thankful for. If you're a Lions fan, you're happy for like half the game, and then you're like, oh, my goodness, here we go again. Now I have to watch the Cowboys lose just to make myself feel better. Unless you're a Lions fan, it's easy to be joyful on Thanksgiving. Not so easy to be joyful, full of joy, when the people you love are trying to hunt you down to kill you. I mean, there's a lot more to this story. Like, Absalom did horrible things. Like, like very immoral, atrocious things. And the children of Israel were like, still better than David. Still better than David. And he's hiding in this barren wilderness. The only thing in that place is a couple of sheep and a couple of camels and anyone who's trying to hide from the law. And he sits down, he breaks out some kind of pen and paper. Maybe he had a tablet, I don't know. He just starts writing out using Grammarly, Psalm 63. My lips will praise you with joyful lips. See, we can live lives full of joy even, not, even when we don't have happy circumstances because happiness and joy are not the same thing. They're not the same thing. They're not opposed to each other. They're not against each other. They don't work in opposition to each other. But happiness is like something that happens in our circumstances. When our circumstances are good, happiness happens and we're like, man, I'm happy. This is great. This is wonderful. But joy like kind of sits above and beyond our circumstances. This is why the Bible says the joy of the Lord is my strength because the joy of the Lord gets you through a really difficult time of life and you don't even realize it's happening. You think you got through it and then like 10 years later you look back and you're like, you know, I think that was Jesus the whole time. Because now that I think about it, I was morbidly depressed and I don't think I could have done that on my own. That's what joy does. I'll show you another picture. It's even better than the other two I showed you. It's epic. Um, so this is me, my sister, my brother, and my oldest sister in 1996 on an RV trip around America. And um, if you know anything about me, I do not like to match people. And so my mom bought us all matching faded glory American flag shirts. And she made us wear them at every stop on this RV trip, but especially at Mount Rushmore. And at Mount Rushmore, the naval band, military band was playing. And we came walking along wearing these American flag shirts and people started asking us, why are you guys wearing shirts that match? And my mom thought it'd be great to say, because they're gonna sing here in a little bit. Do you wanna hear them sing now? And then the people would be like, yes, because they really thought we were like the Mouseketeers or something. And then they, my mom made us stand up. We just sang America the Beautiful right before this. And you can tell that I am not happy at all because I don't like to sing in front of people and I don't like to match people and I don't like to be put on the spot. And I wasn't very happy. I look back at this trip with joyful, wonderful memories but not every moment of it was happy. There was also a moment where we, we had borrowed an RV from this family. This guy's name was Roman Slaybaugh, and he let us use his motorhome. And I don't think my dad even knew how to drive a motorhome, but he was like, yep, yeah, sure, let's take it, and we left. And for nine weeks, we traveled all through the summer around America. And at one point, if you know anything about motorhomes, you know that there's, there's a bathroom in there, and it doesn't like just magically go down the road as you go. And at one point, we figured out, oh, we actually have to empty this thing. And my mom said, I'm pretty sure there's like a hose that goes from the RV into the ground. 
And my dad was like, nope. You just open the thing. So we were at a place, at like a, a place where you do this, and my dad just opened it, and everything came out. I mean, everything. And we were the stinky family for like the next week on vacation. Like nobody wanted to park by us. And my mom was like, told you so. And no one wants to be told I told you so. And no one wants things to come flowing out of the back of their motor home. It wasn't the happiest memory I have of the trip. But, you know, this is right before my sister went to college. And I look back at this now. She's living in Iowa. My other sister's in California. My brother's in Michigan. I'm here. And I look back at this trip with joy. See, joy and happiness are different. Not every circumstance in our life is going to be happy, but we can have joy in all things. I would say it like this. If you think of an ocean, waves come and go, but the ocean remains. Happiness is the waves. They come and they go. The tide comes in, the tide goes out. But there's always still an ocean. And as Christians, we have an opportunity to fill our lives full of joy and to, and to put joy into our life so that we're so full of joy that negativity has no room to live. So how do we do this? Well, we won't find joy in a store. I'm sorry. We won't find joy with a roof over our head. We won't find joy on an Xbox. You can't find joy playing Call of Duty. You won't find joy in a screen or in a tablet. In fact, kids laugh 400 times a day, but adults only laugh 15. And this is really interesting because this is like a little bit of an older stat. And there's recently been a study that said that the younger kids are exposed to screens, the more likely they are to be anxious or depressed. So that number is beginning to lower of the amount of times children laugh and they are actively becoming more like adults the more they're placed in front of a screen. Another study found that adults who created TikTok accounts saying that they were their 13-year-olds. There was a whole group of people that did this to see what would happen. They created all of these TikToks and, and labeled themselves, hey, we're 13-year-old kids, because they wanted to know what would happen. What would TikTok send them? And they said they could not keep track of how many times they were flooded, the report says, by so many accounts and sites talking about depression, anxiety, self-harm, suicide, and drug abuse. At 13 years old, these accounts were flooded to the point where they gave up the study and said, you know what, we can't keep track with this. So we can't find joy inside on a screen when we're unhappy. The answer is not to go in, shut the curtains, drink an energy drink, which is proven to, to give us depression if we drink the wrong ones, and turn on Call of Duty and hope that somehow we will find joy. Another thing recently was discovered that YouTube Kids is the number one place that children are exposed to porn. That's the number one place. And as parents... We had six families up here dedicating babies last week. We had two people have babies this week uh, on Thursday and Friday. And we, we just, like, as parents of all of these kids, as, as all of these churches with just tons of kids now, we've got to shepherd the joy of our children. And you can't take people to a place you've never been. So we've got to be able to find joy for ourselves fill ourselves full of joy and then pour that joy into our children because they're not even going to get it at school. 
They're not going to get it online. They're not going to get it with their friends. They're not going to get it on social media. Social media is chronically negative. It's a plague. <coughs> it's, it's literally a plague. You won't get it no matter which channel of news you watch. You're not going to find joy. So how do you find joy? Where do you find it? Where do you go to fill yourself up? Well, David gave us the answer. We've got to look for joy where joy is to be found. Look at Psalm 65, verse 5. By awesome deeds, you answer us with righteousness, O God of our salvation. The hope of all the ends of the earth and of the farthest seas. The one who by his strength established the mountains, being girded with might, who stills the roaring of the seas, the roaring of the waves, the tumult of the peoples, so that those who dwell at the ends of the earth are... Look at this, in awe at your signs. You make the going out of the morning and the evening to shout for joy. Now this is really interesting because joy is found, first of all, in creation. Joy is found in creation. Thank you. I have really bad allergies today, so I appreciate it. Thank you. Joy is found in creation. Being in the presence of water for 20 minutes a day dramatically alters and changes your opinion and view of that day. That's interesting. Vitamin D is called the sunshine vitamin. Do you know that yellow is the color that makes people most happy? When they see the color yellow, they instantly record higher levels of happiness. And you have a little happy center in the middle of your brain. And, and scientists have been tracking this. And when these people see the color yellow, that lights up and begins to be bigger and happier. Green is the color, the number one color to make you calm. Blue is another number one color to make you feel relaxed and at peace. So what happens when you walk outside? Everything is green and blue. When we step out into creation, we begin to see the signs that David could see. The sky is blue, the grass is green, the trees are green, and it brings us joy to be into creation. Go to water. The sounds of rivers or waves is proven to calm us down. Being outside helps heal us physically and mentally. And being in nature has been proven to improve your attention and your focus. It also has been proven to help you sleep. And I've been testing this one because I can't sleep. Like I, all night, like I literally woke up at, at 2 a.m. one night with an idea for a restaurant. Like, oh, I'm going to make a restaurant. Like, it, I just can't sleep. So I went to our doctor and I'm like, dude, I can't sleep. And he said, well, it's winter time. I'm like, yeah, I know. Trust me, I know. He's like, yeah, take vitamin D as soon as, you as soon as you wake up. And then go outside every day, no matter what. You know that the Finnish or the Danish people are considered to be the happiest people in the world? And you know what they do as soon as their children are born? They stick them outside. They literally put them in cradles and say, okay, you're outside. Even in the winter, they bundle them up and stick them outside and leave them and go into a coffee shop and have coffee and come back. And they're considered to be the happiest people of, of any people in the, in, the, in the world. Go to the forest. Go hiking. Go fishing. Go golfing. Go for a morning walk and an evening run. 
do anything to get out into creation regularly. I want to give you a challenge this week. I want to challenge you to spend 20 minutes per day in creation. And I know that doesn't sound like much, but most of us don't get that. Go for a walk at lunch. You don't need McDonald's. It's been proven to not actually be food and just poison, so don't go to McDonald's. Instead, go for a walk with the lunch that you packed. Your joy will begin to be full. But at this point, there's like a temptation, especially for guys to be like, sweet, not coming to church next Sunday, going fishing. So joy is found in creation, but joy is also found with God's children. Look at Psalm 63, verse 2. So I have looked upon you, where? In the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Look at Psalm 65, verse 4. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house, the holiness of your temple. This is interesting. Portland is the most unchurched city in America at this point. It is also the city with the highest number of depressed people. There's a study done on this, and they weren't really happy with that result, so they're like, well, we'll study a couple more. We think it's the rain. So they went to San Diego, which is the second highest number of unchurched people in America, and also has all the sun and water and sand and all the stuff that you could possibly enjoy. And they found out that it has the second highest number of depressions and the, and the second lowest number of Christians. And then they went to look at cities three and four and five and found that the top five cities would have the highest number of depressions, have the lowest number of Christians. This is interesting because a couple of weeks ago we had a man named Nick Nye come and speak. And Nick Nye told us that in, Amer in Columbus, there, the number of Christians has gone down from 26% to 19. And at the same exact time, the number of depressions has risen. The, three cities with, the five cities with the highest number of depressions are the lowest among Christians. So there's been a study done on the people group in America that had the least amount of recorded depression. And guess what? They found that Christians who actively attend church are the least depressed people group. It, during, a, during COVID, there was a study that found out that people who actively attended church during COVID were less likely to be anxious or depressed or get sick. Why? The joy of the Lord is my strength. This is a real thing. That's not made up. It's not, these aren't even Christian studies. These were actually done by people opposed to Christianity who were like, yeah, we can't really argue with this. Christianity is shown worldwide to be the belief system that has the least number of depressed people in it. And this is at a time when Christians, the, the highest number of Christians being imprisoned, tortured, or killed for their faith is happening around the world right now. And still, those people are the most joyous. Christianity is also the only religion with regular attendance that includes joyous celebratory songs. Look at Psalm 66, verse 1. Shout for joy to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Give to him glorious praise. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies come cringing to you. All the, all the earth worships you and sing praises to you. They sing praises to your name. This is so interesting. We are the only people group who regularly sing joyful celebratory songs when we gather together. And we are the least depressed people. 
And so, so often what I see happen in Christianity is, well, I'm not happy, I'm upset, I'm sad, I'm feeling stressed, I'm anxious, I'm depressed, so you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take a day off from Sunday, and I'm not going to go to church, and instead I'm going to shut the windows, and I'm going to close the blinds, and I'm going to drink a bunch of Mountain Dew, and I'm going to play Call of Duty, because that will bring me joy, and actually it will do the exact opposite thing. The way to fill ourselves full of joy, to be full of joy, to be joyful people, is to be like David who quite regularly all throughout the Psalms is recorded as going out into creation and witnessing creation singing and praising God. There's a man who wrote a song. It's by now a very famous song. I would recommend if you like Spotify to listen to the Wilder Adkins version of this because I think it's awesome. But there's a man who would go for a walk every day because he was a pastor and so he therefore he was depressed. <laughs> it just was like a part of it. And every day he would go for a walk. He would just go out and just be like, I don't know what. And as he would go, he would record things he saw in creation. And he would come home every time feeling significantly better and he would tell his wife and eventually his wife, because our wives are always smarter than us, was like, why don't you write this down into something? And he wrote a song called This Is My Father's World, which is one of the more famous hymns in all of American hymns. Like this is one of the ones that no matter what faith you fall under, you know this hymn. David went out into creation, but he's not the only one. Adam and Eve experienced God in creation. Abraham experienced God in creation. Isaac experienced God in creation. Jacob experienced God in creation. Moses experienced God in creation. Solomon experienced God in creation. All of the prophets experienced God in creation. In fact, there was a man named Elijah who was so unhappy that someone was chasing him, trying to kill him. He ran for his life and hid under a tree. And when he woke up, an angel said to him, all you need to do is take a nap, drink some water, and eat some good food. He did this three times, and then the angel was like, you're better, you can now go for 40 days, and you're going to experience God like you've never seen him before. You know that Jesus was happy and joyful? How do we know this? Children don't like hanging around grumpy people. Why do you think children like Santa? Because he has rosy cheeks? No, it's because he's joyful. Children loved being around Jesus. And you know what Jesus quite regularly was found doing? Going into creation, getting away, spending time in the wilderness. And what do we find him doing next? Which is so interesting because it's the thing I would not expect him to do. Going into the temple to worship and to gather. Always taking disciples and gathering together and then going alone into creation, refueling and, and, and getting along with people in his community. This fills us full of joy. So I want to challenge you this week to be like Jesus, to be like David. David was a warrior, yet sang, worshipped, and even danced. In verse 7 he said, For you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. In Psalm 63, verse 1, he says, O God, you are my God, earnestly I seek you, my soul thirsts for you. This word earnestly is really important. It means eagerly. More literally applied, it means early. And the idea of this word is that, hey God, you're my God, so early I rise to seek you because I cannot wait to see what you're going to do because you're a good God and you fill me full of joy. So as we uh, go through the summer, listen, there's no better time 
than today. It is beautiful out. To spend 20 minutes a day outside in creation just looking at the trees, going to Hoover, going to Alum, going to any place, any river you can find and saying, hey God, you're wonderful, you're beautiful, your creation is amazing. But I would also encourage you to on purpose choose to be in and around the children of God regularly. When we sing together, we are filled with joy. And when we're filled with joy, we're filled full of strength. And the tragedies and the trials and the struggles. Last, last night, um, Colleen, um, not our kids' church leader, but the other Colleen, was, was, in, was placed in the hospital. And she's still in there this morning. Hard times come. Difficulties arise. The joy of the Lord is our strength. It sits above the circumstances and the trials and the tragedies and the rough times. And when we spend time in and around what God is telling us, what God is showing us, God literally made a planet to bring us joy. And so often what we do is say, no thanks, we'll sit inside. We got this. I don't really need church. I'm kind of unhappy. When the opposite is the most true thing that there is. We need each other. We need to sing together. We need to gather together, and then we need to go out into creation. Why? Because it fills us full of joy. And when we're full of joy, we can then present joy to a lost world. We can give joy to our families. We can give joy to our friends. We can give joy to our community, and we can shower our world with joy. This is how we live a joyful life. So right now I'm going to ask you all to stand to your feet. We've been doing this for a little while, so if you're new, um, this is an opportunity for you to try something new today. On your chair around you is a worship guide. On that worship guide is a bunch of announcements, an opportunity to give some money, but also is my sermon notes. And underneath that is a bunch of questions to ask someone. Because we're in just a, as soon as I pray, we're going to give you 10 minutes to find people nearby you, family, friends, someone you know, someone you don't know. You can ask them their name. You can ask them, hey, tell me a place in nature that makes you happy. Tell me a song that you like to sing that makes you happy. Tell me something about God that you enjoy. And then you can spend the next 10 minutes praying with each other and for each other to live joyful lives. Because we want to pray with each other. We want to be people who walk together. So I'm going to pray for you. And then I would encourage you, man, if, 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 if you see someone and you're like, I don't know them, that, that is God telling you, go to that person. Go to that person and pray with them. Tell them your name so you do know them. And pray, let's be people of joy. Let's be joyful people. Let's be people who just get outside for a minute or two. And look at what's happening around us on this planet. So often we miss out on joy because we only see our creation, not the Father's. The Bible begins with creation and joy. Man, woman in a garden, happy and full of joy. In the middle, Jesus goes to a garden and he prays. And in Revelation, the Bible says the earth will one day again be a garden and there'll be a river and there'll be so much light that we don't even have need of the sun or the moon and it will flow and all of us will be completely full of joy. Do you know what we'll do when we're in that place? We will sing together praises to our Savior. We will be so overflowing with joy that we won't be able to even understand it.